Welcome to Paranormal Heart, a place where people can talk about their paranormal experiences. With your host, Cat Ward. Welcome back, folks, to Paranormal Heart Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in on whatever platform you're using. I have a great episode for you tonight. I'm joined by Dr. Kelly Renee Schutz, an experiencer herself. Dr. Schutz has had over 100 paranormal and three or four extraterrestrial encounters since the age of nine. An open-minded, sensitive, intuitive empath, Dr. Schutz was thrust into paranormal discovery by her mid-30s, becoming a student of controversial and unexplained observations. She feels the reason the unexplained is attracted to her is because of her high energy frequency and ability to communicate. She is also believed to be a starseed child. Dr. Schutz, a Minnesota native, hosts and produces a highly ranked show called Paranormal Encounters Podcast Series, heard on various platforms. She also runs her shows on the Para-X Radio Network, an unconventional approach, she has entertained thousands with more than 85 episodes, noting 200,000 plus downloads to date. Dr. Schutz discusses with me on this episode how she got into the paranormal, her various paranormal encounters, and more. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, or have questions, comments, or just want to say hello, drop me an email at paranormalheart13 at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to the show. You can find me on YouTube, Podbean, FringeRadioNetwork.com, and I'm excited to say that I will be joining the KPNL Digital Network family very soon, so stay tuned for that. And as always, you can still find me any place you find fine podcast. And now, on with the show. Hello, Kelly. Welcome to Paranormal Heart. Thanks, Kat. Thanks for having me. I'm really happy that you uh, messaged me wanting to be on the show because I've uh, listened to not a lot of your episodes yet, but uh, I really, really like your show from what I've listened to so far. So uh, thank you. No, thank you. Um, I, I really appreciate uh, um, your taking an interest, and I hope that I can give you whatever you need today on this interview. You're... Uh, you seem to be very, very knowledgeable in the paranormal, so, um, and of course it's a paranormal show, so that's right up my alley. Once you, would you like to start uh, a little bit about telling us uh, a little bit about yourself before we get into the, the meat and uh, potatoes of the show? Sure, no problem. So, you know, there's, uh, I've got such a lengthy, as they would say, biography of myself. <laughs> that when people ask me to tell them a little bit about what I am or where I came from, sometimes I wonder what I am, by the way. But um, I usually kind of just give a mini background, and I'm going to give you a little little bit. I grew up uh, in a small rural town in Minnesota, and I, um, you know, went through my, my usual as a, as a teen and a high schooler there, of course, and then I went on and did my college studies at a few different universities, 
um, moved around within and outside the United States, living, you know, going with my husband to various jobs. And then we have actually lived in uh, Canada. We have in uh, Ottawa and also in Alberta, Maryland, uh, Indiana for a number of years, and we're now back in Minnesota. But over the course of the years, I began educating myself in different types of degrees for various reasons. And of course, as I always told my college students um, that I, I taught, I said, you should always have plan B in mind because uh, you never know where you're going to end up and what you're going to keep doing in your life or how to reinvent yourself. So I kind of started out, though, with my interest was in human ecology, which is the study of people. And there's a connection between that now and my being a podcaster and very immersed into the paranormal, which then I had no idea how valuable it would be to me now. I have a couple master's degrees in management and communications and a PhD in post-secondary adult education as well as I worked in law as a paralegal and did some uh, undercover work. And so all that adds to the investigation part now for, um, for what I do when I explore the paranormal. And so basically, I've worn many different hats, though, over the years in various different positions, and um, I'm now retired, so I'd call myself a retired college professor, paralegal, and an event owner, manager, and uh, now I put my energies into just being a paranormal enthusiast pretty much full-time. So that just kind of gives you a mini bite, cat, of um, where I've been and where I am right now. Many hats for sure. Um, that makes an, an individual more interesting, in my opinion. I've had a guest on before who was a wrestler, um, a cab company owner, and a paranormal investigator, and now he's, he's making movies. Uh, so many different hats, like you said. How did you get into the paranormal? Well, did you grow up in any paranormal? Uh, yeah. So you want to know how I fell into the paranormal? Yeah. I wanted to add one more thing to of what course. I do, which will, you know, your your listeners are going to go, huh, who is this gal? And yeah, when you mentioned the guy being the wrestler, mm -hmm. yes, I write cookbooks. Let's ah, let's put that one in there. I'm nice. a voice actor. I've done mm -hmm. a audiobook and a CD with uh, a show called Maynard and Mildred. Mm -hmm. I do some freelancing on Fiverr. I don't know if I can mention that on your show, but I help people with their relationships, um, voiceover. I do voiceover work, and also I have some paranormal gigs, which I ask people if they want to have me talk about their story, if they want to be on, on my show, or whether or not I should be on their show. Um, but I'm also a photographer, which has helped out in the paranormal, and an artist, which has also helped out, and a genealogist, which brings us off course to the history of all of this sort of thing. And one more thing I need to add, and then once we get out of our pandemic times here, I'm also, um, as of last year, and of course everything went on hold, I'm also being considered very seriously as a contestant on a new game show that's on the uh, US ABC network in Hollywood. So 
Anyway, Ooh. that was I, I when you once you brought up that wrestler, I said, "Oh, I've got to throw this in because people have no idea how many different hats I really do wear." So, all right, you wanted to know what uh, brought me into the paranormal. Yes. Well, um, I would say that my experiences with the paranormal probably began around the age of nine. And you would say, well, what happened around the age of nine? Well, I was having, but didn't realize it at the time, um, a lot of uh, unusual anxiety and stomach aches and pains and feelings when I stayed over at my, um, my grandparents' house. And the house was built, yes, in the 1800s, but I have to add a note here, since I've done this for nearly 50 years now, you don't have to be in an old house to experience a haunting. You can be on unsettled ground where a new development is and you can find your apartment or your townhome or your home there to be as haunted as being in a older home. But um, I would say that for me staying at my grandparents' house, I got a little unnerved every time. I had to stay there after school because um, um, waiting for my mother to come pick me up uh, from there and sometimes they would not be home and I hated it when they weren't home because um, I, that's when everything started and so sensing these feelings or having this unusual gut feeling that I wasn't alone I would turn up the television turn on all the lights I would sing loudly and I would try to go take a nap on the couch just to try to pass the time away until they until they got home well, there was one time, well, many, but one time where I heard some chattering going on in the kitchen. And I thought, um, well, they have gotten home without me hearing the door open. So I got up from the couch and I wandered myself all the way to the kitchen. And sure enough, as soon as I got to the door of the kitchen, there was absolutely nobody in there. And it was just dead silent. And I never forgot dead silent it sounded because that was the point where I knew I was not imagining this stuff there was something in there with me and I usually took off all the time either I stayed out on the porch which was in you know really cold or hot weather or I just left the house entirely so that was that was back in those days and so I want to add an extra piece here, though, for you, Kat. When I was in my 30s, though, I decided to go back into that house to face my fear. Both my grandparents were now um, passed away, and I had to look at a box of stuff just to see if there was anything of interest. And it was upstairs in what we called the pink room. And if that doesn't set the scene of creepy, you know, pink, color back in the day was normal color people used but in our modern times now pink mm -hmm. is not necessarily the color people put on their walls well if you can imagine going up a stairwell and at the top of the stairwell was a draft curtain that was pulled over to keep the draft from the second floor not coming down to the first floor. Mm -hmm. I had to first conquer walking up, and I was alone in my 30s. I walked up the stairwell really slowly, 
and you could just feel your heart sink because you're staring at that draft curtain, right? And you knew you had to pull that thing back. Well, of course, you know, I kept telling myself, there's no boogeyman up here. Don't worry about it. Just pull it back and get up there and go into the room and look at the box. All right. So anyway, I just took a big, deep breath, and I pulled that curtain back. And I said, okay, that was not easy, but I continued on, went into the pink room, sat at the edge of the bed, probably no more than 15 minutes. I smelt something really deceasedly rotten, very sulfuric, very gross smelling. And I thought, well, there's something going on here, but I need to find this dead animal, all right? Mm -hmm. But what I found instead was a curtain, and the curtain on the window had a fire singe at its bottom. And I thought, this is very strange. But then I remembered a couple days before, the house was actually hit by a lightning bolt. So it could have started from like uh, the electrical outlet and might have singed the curtain. But so it was as if something had stopped the fire. And then it was at that point where everything went into full force. I started feeling disoriented. I started feeling dizzy. I had headaches. Um, I felt so sick. I wanted to be sick. And I just, something was jabbing me in the stomach. And then I knew I wasn't alone in that room. And I took off running. And if you could imagine seeing a 30-year-old <laughs> jumping and leaping down five steps at a time just to get down to the bottom and um, out of that house very quickly, that's when I knew that I wasn't imagining things when I was 9, 10, 11, 14 in that house I knew something was in that house so anyway that's how I initially got into all of that cat I know that you're uh, sensitive is that something that you grew up with or did that develop with time I would say that I didn't realize I was sensitive to the level of being um, psychically sensitive or being an empath until I started looking into this stuff, especially with my experiences, um, over time. And let me add something to that which will help clarify this a little bit more on how I started to blossom as a paranormal investigator or uh, experiencer, as they would say. So when I was 14 years old, um, my uh, dad his home, which uh, he lived several miles away, but uh, and we rarely visited there because uh, of the distance. But I went to his childhood home, but it was around the age of 14, though, when we were there visiting once. I was outside, and I walked the property, and I said, you know, just, you know, walked around outside. You know, it was out in the country. You know, it was interesting. We hadn't been there in a lot. I wanted to kind of take it all in. And the house was um, built like a Victorian house. Um, it was like the premier house of the county, and it was of its time. So it was just a beautifully, beautiful house out in the country. All right. Anyway, I had walked around on the property, and I felt a little creeped out. Now, most people would say, oh, that's because it's unfamiliar. Um, you're just working this stuff up in your mind. Um, you know, disregard it. But I said at the time... You know, I really wish I could see a ghost. I really, really wish I could see a ghost. Everyone else says, oh, I've seen a ghost. And I th said, this 
property is kind of creepy. There's a feeling about it, and it's it was um, all built back in the late 1800s as well, and and that's a beautiful house, but it's kind of kind of creepy. And so, long story short, it was on May 6th of 2007 when um, my grandparents both had passed away, and a tornado had ripped through that property. But it didn't hurt the house or the barn or any of the buildings. Just the trees were down. And I walked around taking some pictures just to make sure that there was no access to get into the house. Because, like I said, the grandparents were gone and the house was just sitting there empty for the moment. And I was doing photographs. And I photographed, which I didn't see at the time, I photographed... um, some uh, apparitions that actually showed up in the upper window but in a screen window not a glass plate window but a screened window and I didn't realize this until I went to get my film developed thank thank goodness for negatives because (laughs) that's something that can't be changed Mm -hmm. and um, I said what is up in that window and how does a ball sit up in the corner of the window. This is very strange. They didn't have a ball for years sitting out anywhere. So anyway, when I blew up the picture on my laptop, lo and behold, there was a young girl around the age of six and an older man, um, very clear, by the way. You can see all their features, um, staring right at me when I was taking that photograph. It was like he was looking at me and going, hmm, who are you? And she was looking at me going, hi, how you doing? Oh, and a big smile on her face. And as I looked at that picture, I thought, this is really something else because those are definitely apparitional faces showing to me. And then I went back to the house by myself. I stood out on the lawn. This this was like a day or two later. I went and I stood out on the lawn and I looked at the window I didn't see anything show itself, and I didn't the first time either. But I said, do you have a message for me? Because this is really shocking. And all I could hear in the back of my mind was, check the genealogy, check your genealogy. And I thought, check my genealogy? Now keep in mind, I'm the genealogist for the most part in the family, because I've done it for years. and. It's very true. I misidentified this young lady in the genealogy, thinking she was somebody else. That's now been corrected. And when I compared her image to the image that I had at the point where she passed away at the age of 10, um, it was a match. And as far as the older man was concerned, he is either or was my great-grandfather who built that house, traveling with her, Um, She died actually two miles down the road in another house uh, at the age of 10, but showed at the age of six. And he showed at the age in his 60s, but passed away around age 80. And so um, it it was either him or it could have been her doctor. I looked up the doctor as well, by the way. I found an image of him, and it's it's a coin toss. It was either the doctor traveling with her, or my great-grandfather traveling with her. So there you go, Kat. How's that for a starter, huh? Wow. And it doesn't sound like when you see things like this that it's that, that you're frightened. You're, you, you look at it from a point of view as like, wow, I need to find out more information about this. 
Um, I did, yeah, until I started delving into this stuff even more so, and now I'm a little bit more cautionary. But in the beginning, I was very intrigued, yeah. Yeah. I find the more you get into the paranormal, the more you're open, and the more you start... Um, it's almost like the spirits or the entities, for lack of a better term, know that you're aware and they show themselves to you a little bit more. At least that's what I feel with my experiences over the past few years, is the more you get into it, the more you're open, the more you see things. Yeah, in this case, though, I did see them, They, they but they showed on the... One of the things that I learned over time is that, and this is for your listeners too, is that you should always go back and relook at your photographs or mm -hmm. your images probably a good up to a year because the, nothing might show at first and a lot of times they say oh you're just you're just face matrixing that's that's nothing in the window that's a a formation of leaves or this or that or dirt mm -hmm. on the window no 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 i have to emphasize one more time this wasn't a window that they were looking at me through they were looking at me through a screen and they're clear as a bell and but the thing is is that they also have a facial matched very true mm -hmm. when I ask people to look at the faces I say uh, describe to me what you actually see now the first thing our minds will do is create a face all right because that's yes. what we're looking for we're looking for something familiar um, and uh, but but I didn't know what they looked like at their death and then I was going to explain too people ask me all the time well why did she look like she was six and he looked like he was in his 60s well that's very simple to explain now um, usually when someone passes away usually and it doesn't matter from what method um, naturally or by suicide or whatever a lot of times they will show themselves to you when they're most happiest in life or most healthiest in life and then secondly as they appeared to be recognizable and so as we age let's say we pass away in our 80s or 90s our features are starting to change so drastically that a lot of times it's hard to determine what you're looking at per se. I'm not saying someone won't show to you at that age. I'm just saying that in this particular case, they showed to me at younger ages and for very good reasons. And, um, and so that's part of it right there. But I have, I'm sure there are cases where they will show to you at a point where um, they were closer to death and, um, and their features might be still though recognizable. Does that kind of help you a little bit there cat um, yes it does um, yes you're after. thank you yeah I've, I've heard of some people say that um, like a friend of mine his daughter uh, is just starting to be sensitive and in the apartment that they're living in uh, she, he tries to not let her see as often as the entity appears because the um, entity has like a burnt face and doesn't want to she doesn't want his daughter being afraid right um, so if you can, you can be shown different states of their lives. It's just, it amazes me. It really does. Like you could see them when they're at their happiest, like you just mentioned, or you can see them at their worst. Right. And I wanted to add something that to that too. So I have talked with a number of people, um, uh, as well. And they, for those that have actually seen apparitions, that's correct. 
the message that they're sending to you when you see them with a burnt face or a bloodied face or you see them with whatever they, you know, gruesome, mm-hmm. gruesome look, you know, we're even talking half their body or something is wrong with their um, them in some way. The message that they're trying to send to you is a clue as to who they might be and what has happened to them. And so in this particular case with the young girl and the older gentleman, they died in in decent appearances and natural states. But if she would have had, um, like, say, she was in a really bad car accident or something mm-hmm. and, you know, something terrible happened with her body in the process, um, sometimes she might have showed without without a head. I mean, that sounds a little gross, but... It's true. I've heard, um, I know um, a gentleman who's an uh, an EMT, which is like an mm-hmm. emergency worker when people have accidents, and he has had numerous experiences seeing apparitions in various states because of the type of accident that they had. So I don't know. Personally, I would rather not see the horrific. I would rather Agreed. see a quick glance. You know what I mean? So. Does this gentleman see them on the scene, or does he see them later? Um, he sees them both. He okay. had an incident where um, he couldn't get one off of him. It was a young man. He was decapitated in mm. his accident. He was cut in half. I know wow. that sounds gross to your listeners. I'm sorry if this is a offensive. Um, but he had this young man didn't know where heaven was and didn't know he died. And so once he figured out that he was kind of lost, he attached himself to this emergency worker. And there were times when he would feel this tugging down on one of his legs or something and when he would look down he would actually recall or see half of the body that he had to pick up off the road so i Mm. mean it's just like you know this is kind of horrific stuff here but um yeah but he also told me once and um i work uh i because i'm retired now i can do just about anything i want to do um of types of jobs and i work at um a state fair in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And he was telling me the story once where um, he was just looking out into the crowd and he noticed that there was this older woman that kind of looked a little bit out of place. Her clothes were a little bit aged and they looked a little bit different than what most people were wearing. And then he was just, he, he pointed this out to another person that was next to him at the time. And he goes, look over there doesn't that older woman look a little bit out of place and then as they started studying the image or what they were seeing a little bit more they noticed that um she was uh, floating amongst the people in the crowd and um and she was half bodied and she looked like she was somebody from back in the later 1800s um you know with just floating amongst the crowd now you're going to say well did the crowd notice her no but he noticed her and there's a reason for for why he might become so sensitive as well and the and the magic word here is trauma Mm -hmm. i mean he's been through so many traumatic things that something uh snapped in him over time 
where his abilities to see some of this stuff has actually strengthened too, where he can see things that nobody else can. So kind of interesting. That's very interesting. And something I've always wondered, and after you mention this, it makes me think that perhaps my uh, idea is correct. When you said attachment, um, some I've always believed that sometimes attachments weren't necessarily a bad thing. And that I mean that because the entity is attaching themselves to a particular individual because you're seeking help. Perhaps they know that they're, they've passed on, or perhaps they don't know they've passed on, but they know something is, is off, and they see this person as a bright light, and they think, maybe this person can help me uh, figure out what the heck is going on. Maybe they can help me. If they do know they've, they've passed, maybe they can help them cross over. Maybe they have a specific message that they know this individual can pass on. Um, I've, I've always wondered that about attachments. Do you kind of feel that way as well? Well, I can tell you a little bit about attachments. Yes. Um, all right. So let's see. About a year ago, I had 16 attachments removed from my body. And you're going to wow. say, well, how do you know you had 16? I don't know. They, The person who removed them claimed I had 16 of them, but there was one attachment that was really stubborn and this one apparently was someone uh, this is coming from someone who had who was very psychic and who actually has unusual abilities to be able to take attachments off of people so I'm gonna tell you a little bit here about attachments um, the one that's hanging around me yet whatever it might be is a, apparently one that uh, is an is a woman that is lost and she doesn't know how to depart she actually likes hanging around me but I also attract many attachments due to my frequency and my ability to communicate now the other thing about attachments which you have to realize is that not all attachments are hanging out on people for the very reason that they they need guidance um, if someone is an alcoholic for example you might attract um, those deceased that are lost in this world that recognize your ability or you're enjoying alcohol or drugs or something too much and they may attach to you just for the sense of um, experiencing what they experienced in life because it felt very familiar but not and so they for that I call them hitchhikers for that mm -hmm. reason they hitchhike a ride on some of these people in my particular case, I seem to attract around me um, those that seek people who appear rather confident, who seem that are very creative. People who are creative usually have a lot of attachments on them. For example, in Hollywood, I can't remember which, which people I read about um, probably a year ago, but uh, when I was looking up this thing on attachments and, and trying to understand it more, some of these um, uh, movie stars, they have, they can have as many as 90 attachments on their body. Now, again, I don't know how some people proclaim to know how many attachments are on anybody's body, but I will tell you that the people that I that helped me to understand, they can make these attachments can make a person physically sick. Okay, mm -hmm. so I wasn't feeling really great but what they did is um, 
they this is a couple that was in San Diego or that are in San Diego. They have a very special gift. And the gift is removal, attachment removal. And I thought, oh, bullharky, you know, <laughs> tell me a little bit more about how. First, I can't even see or feel these attachments on me. How can anyone else from um, from 15 to 2,000 miles away from me be able to help me get them off of me? Okay, anyway, one night when I was lying in bed, this is no joke. And this is this really happened. It was before um, I interviewed them on my radio show, uh, actually the next day. I was told, at the point that we remove the attachments from you, we're not going to tell you when it's going to happen, but you will know when it happens. And so I thought, oh, geez, when is this magical moment going to happen, right? They're going to remove 16 attachments from me that they say are on my body, blah, 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 blah. Well, okay. So it was in the middle of the night, the night before I was to give their, um, the, do their a, a podcast with them on my show. And all of a sudden, I unusually, never happened before, never happened since, I unusually was lifted up, I lifted my half body up, my mouth opened up, and it was like, and I don't want to be offensive to your listeners, but it, I can't describe it any other way, it was as if I was vomiting out gobs and gobs of air from my body and it just went on and on and on and on and I, I didn't wake up I was in an unconscious conscious state of being knowing that I lifted up it was very bizarre and these things apparently were coming right out of me and then the next morning I felt a lot different and I'm gonna tell you there are people out there that have unusual gifts and yes. I would never believe this at all until that experience happened to me but attachments can be lost they can feel lost they might if they're lost they might feel they need to tag on to somebody who um, that they they have a familiar trait or characteristic mm -hmm. about them um, in my case I attract a lot but I don't feel them and apparently I have a woman that's lost right now who just loves to hang around me but hmm. anyway that's what I know about attachments Kat I'm really glad you described your experience with the attachment because I've never heard it described that way. And I'm very thankful that you went into detail. Yeah, it's, 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 uh, I don't think anyone out here knows how many attachments they have to them. Mm -hmm. I do know that having a lot of attachments or several, especially, keep in mind too, when I was told that these, the people down in San Diego, they, um, they do a lot of attachment removal from Hollywood television um, uh, uh, um, performers. They do mm -hmm. a lot of that. Um, and what, but how they know how many are on a person is actually baffling to me. So I could I couldn't tell tell your listeners how that's done. But um, just know that all attachments aren't necessarily nice attachments. They, there could be a variety of reasons as to why they're attracted. To someone to begin with. So. Oh yeah, because the the most popular attachment that most people have heard of are the the uh, demonic attachments, but there are so many different types. Yeah, and here's one that that your listeners might find interesting. So when I was talking to these the San Diego couple who do this, I said, okay. I have something that has happened to me in the last three, four years here that I cannot explain. 
And I don't know if it's because of my inner voice or someone's talking to me or I'm being guided by something, but I said, once you remove these 16 attachments from me, would you please hold back the one that allows me to win jackpots <laughs> and casinos yeah. over and over and over again? Because I have literally won, I kid you not, um, it was 13 jackpot casinos. And wow. in American terms, that's 1200 American dollars and over. Um, I don't know how that translates in Canada, but um, um, but in this a month ago, just recently, I just got back from Las Vegas again um, for other reasons that I go out there for, and I won three more, and it could have been four more. But I go to machines. I'm being directed to go to machines, sit down at them, play them for a while, and usually eight I'm not going to say all the time but eight out of ten times I've picked a machine that's going to jackpot so I've won 16 jackpots now anywhere from 1200 US dollars to 10,000 US dollars in the last I will say since we turned the year in the last four years that's amazing. So I asked the couple I said don't take away that attachment <laughs> because that attachment's actually quite helpful yeah, no but, kidding yeah. that's the type of yeah. attachment that I would want <laughs> Wow. Yeah, can you pick and choose the attachments to be <laughs> taken off my body? <laughs> I wonder if they can do that. <laughs> that would be yeah, that would be pretty I impressive. I don't I don't think so. I, no. I mean, I felt like a clean slate the next morning, but when I won these 3 almost 4, what happened with the fourth one is I went to this machine right right away. I mean, I don't bounce from machines. I just get directed to go to and then I usually hear sit down. And so then oh. I sit down, okay. Well, what happened with this machine is I didn't have enough money to, uh, I ran out of money, but there was a gentleman that was actually watching me from behind, and I didn't see him preferably at first until I thought, oh, I should, I need to go because I know this one's going to hit. There's a reason why I'm sitting here. And as soon as I got up to go and get a little bit more cash just to bring back to that machine, he had won the jackpot within oh. like maybe five or six spins. And um, yeah, my knees went weak. I felt yeah. sick. I was angry and upset. I went to the restroom to try to um, compose myself. I walked back out there. And then the next machine that I was on gave me a jackpot as well. Nice. So the IRS loves me here in the United States. <laughs> I mean, it's ticket after ticket after ticket. But um who knows what will happen this year? Who knows? Who knows? Wow. Well, I hope you win. I hope you keep winning big. I hope that one monetary attachment is still with you. Yeah, I don't know. They can be good and bad. Sometimes they um, they mess with your energy, and they mm -hmm. um, they can actually make a person physically sick. So it's yep. not like you want to have attachments on you. No. Do you investigate? Do you still investigate? First of all. Well, okay, so that's a good question. Um, since 2007, I started pretty, at, when the apparitions showed in the window, mm -hmm. um, the, uh, I went at this full force. I went to, when we, when we had time, I went to many haunted, no, knowingly haunted bed and breakfasts. And I said, well, if there's a haunted situation in here, I should know it by the time we leave because something they spoke to me and I heard them telepathically so 
they, you know, and they were right about the genealogy, da, da, da. So I'm going to see if I can put this to the test. And so I went at this pretty big time, but I'm going to throw in my big old butt now. So I did this a lot, and that's what afforded me the opportunity to have over 100 experiences and 10 books on Amazon, by the way. Um, but we need to throw that in. I went to Wales. My husband and I went to Wales a few, just a few years ago. And it feels like forever because I do so much in my life that time just feels like it goes back further and further. But anyway, it, this was uh, a haunted bed and breakfast in Wales that was known to have over 12 apparitions of various ages floating around in their building. And when we arrived, I mean, I had made my reservation and I told them what I wanted. I said, I want to be in the most haunted room that you have in here because I'm doing a book and I want your story to go in the book. Nope, we can't put you in the most haunted room. Why not? Why can't you put me in the most haunted room? Because it's it's too scary for people and they usually don't stay in there more than 20 minutes. Good, great. Put me in the most haunted room. All right, so they didn't. They put me in the second most haunted room. All right, so this place when you walk in was probably, I can't remember, eight or 900 years old. Let's start with that. It was not a castle. It was a structure within a town knowing to be haunted. The whole town was haunted, basically. Mm. I can't even remember its name anymore. Um, and we, as we went upstairs to go to, you know, there's no elevators. As we went upstairs to go to this room that they were going to bring me to, I literally walked through an electrical field where my whole body just exploded with electricity. And at that point, I actually saw the, uh, and she's in my book, by the way, I saw the face or half face of an apparition uh, literally rush like around a corner. I saw her and, and so did the other gal that was bringing us to the room didn't, but long story short, I saw her and she is in my book and she matches the picture perfectly. But when we got to the room and she opened it up, she's, there was just this really dreadful, sick feeling in there. And keep in mind, I had been doing fairly gentle investigations up to that point in various places that kind of unsettled me a little bit and made me a little bit nervous and scared and whatever. But this place actually changed my mind about how I do investigations. So um, there were a number of things that happened while we were there. We were downstairs eating. Um, they, the manager came to us and said, could we have your key? The apparition in that room won't let us into the room. I thought it was kind of a, like one of these carnival tricks that they were trying to play on a person's mind. Um, went back into the room eventually because uh, the reason why they had to go into the room was there was a light bulb that was out and I needed it replaced. I wanted the, white, the light bulb working. And so apparently you have to ask permission to go into this room and, um, and be very nice about it. Otherwise, you're going to regret your experience. When we went back up after dinner, um, there are handprints on my pillow. I thought, my husband said, oh, they're just putting them on your pillow just to scare you. I thought, yeah, it's possible, but I said, I'm not done with this room yet. There's something that I'm feeling in here, and I'm not quite sure what it is, but it feels very dreadful to me. It was at the point where we were going to bed, where my husband threw the holy water and was doing a prayer that this floor-length 
Victorian mirror started, kid you not, cycling around in front of my face. And it was kind of like it went kind of like back and forth with the shoulders. Nah, 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 nah. Mm-hmm. And then it went whoop, whoop a couple times. And I just froze in absolute terror. And what had happened with my husband at that point is he he was immobilized um, like in a trance. So it was like what it did is it put him in a trance and it allowed me to endure this traumatic, unbelievable, never thought I'd see anything like it in my life, movement of this this floor-length mirror cycling around and I went into an extreme panic attack. Now, we couldn't leave. They had already told us that many people come downstairs to sleep on their couches at night when they hear people knock on their door, they hear children outside their door, whatever. And I, I was determined to not run out of that room because you have to understand this was a 900 year old building with a maze I would not have been able to find my way back down the appropriate stairs to get to the um, get to the to the lobby Um, I would have been lost literally and so I freaked out he my husband came out of his trance he said I'm going to bed now and I said did you not see that he goes see what it it literally happened right next to him so long story short i felt this thing whatever it was hover over me all night long it was ice cold i felt it sit on my knees and my legs i felt i just felt it everywhere in that room and i begged to just please not hurt me and i was begging and i had one of those black masks on you know that people wear Mm. sometimes when they need the shield and i just kept feeling this thing and i said i just don't want to see you I said, I just don't because, oh. So in the morning, the wardrobe that was next to me that also had a mirror on it was open. The mirror, by the way, just to share a little bit more about this story, I couldn't get out of there fast enough, but I didn't didn't really get out of there fast enough. The manager brought me back up into the room at the point that we were checking out, and she saw how miserable I looked. And I said, thank you, I got my, I got my story. <laughs> And then she says, can I bring you back up there? I need to ask you a question because I was telling her about the mirror. So what happens is every time her maid staff is cleaning the room and they're bending over with their vacuum to vacuum the floor, this mirror, what it does is it likes a particular position. It picks, its, um, it picks itself up and it literally on purpose bumps the maid staffs in the rear end. And it does that just to, to, to be a jokester. Hmm. But she said that it happens every time she bends over in that area. The thing will lift its mirror up and it'll smack her in the butt every time. And she said, she said, how do I ask this thing or whatever to stop doing that? I said, well, ask it to stop doing that or take this mirror and position it in a way where it can't, it cannot, you know, it'll have to fight to move itself. So... We had a long discussion about the stuff in that room, and um, I was forever grateful for the story. But ever since that point, I pick and choose my situations to go into to do many investigations. I don't usually have to seek this stuff out anymore. If I go into any building that is perceived to be haunted, it will come to me. And I'm now starting book 11. I don't get out much now during the pandemic, but when I do and I'm in situations, I will note them, I will try to figure out their message, and then I will write about them. 
Did that did that help clarify this a little bit for you, Kat? Yes, it did. I would absolutely love to visit buildings that are that old. I haven't not not yet. I haven't, but that's on my bucket list. Also, because I love the architecture, not just because I'm looking for haunted locations. I love architecture. Yeah, so do I. Mm -hmm. I do too. I, I, I honestly. It's just, if you can get a chance, if you ever get a chance to go over to Europe and you go over to Wales, um, it doesn't even matter where you go. The the place we went after that, we went out into the countryside mm-hmm. to, um, it wasn't even that old. I mean, it was old, but it wasn't 900 years old. They had 80 dogs that um, they used to, the person who owned the property back in the day had, um, he was a hunter. So he had hunting dogs, but he had 80 of them, and he wow. had buried all 80 dogs oh. on that, the hunting dogs on that property. They literally had their own tombstones. They all did. Wow. Well, I had an experience the day after, too. And I, I will tell you, after you've been through a frightening experience like that, and then you're in another haunted building where there's things happening and being pointed out, and then you're trying to go to sleep. And you feel what feels like an animal crawling on top of your legs on your bed. You just about have had enough of investigating for a while. Uh-huh. But I have been in all kinds of situations. And so, and again, like I kind of mentioned earlier, you don't have to be in a, I love architecture, by the way, mm-hmm. love it. You don't even have to be in an old building to have it be haunted. You just have to understand what you're in, who was in it before, what land you're on, what kind of what kind of um, limestone or um, gravel stone or whatever you want to call it um, is underneath you. You have to if you start understanding a lot of these other things that electrify and bring to us these images because of the electrification in the air or whatever, that helps to manifest this stuff too. So anyway, yeah. Yeah, I get a lot of people that say, I don't know why my place is haunted. Um, there was no building here before we built. Uh, I don't know why that hotel is uh, haunted. You know, there was nothing there before. And it's like, well, it's not the age of the building like you had mentioned. It could be something happened on the land. Uh, perhaps you bought a an antique or someone who had negative energy could have walked through that building and just, you know, the residual negativity or whatever is still in that building. So there's so many reasons as to why a person is getting activity. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about antiques, shall we? Yes, please. I love, I love antiques. So do I. I do. I think they're interesting. I don't have very many of them, if any, now in my house. Um, When people go to like an antique store or they might go to an auction or like an estate auction or something like that and there's a lot of old stuff there. That stuff to me is really cool, okay? And I know a lot of your listeners are probably saying, yeah, pretty cool. But the thing is, is there is also energy on a lot of these um, items, and you don't exactly know sometimes who the item technically really came from to start. Ended up in this box, you know, like at an auction from somebody's house, and it's just being passed along. Well... Um, The number one item, not to scare anyone here, but the number one haunted item, of course, are dolls. And dolls have the physical features, again, of what resembles usually um, a human being. And because of that, a lot of times, a lot, and and the energy that was being passed along from the 
the the child or the recipient um, to this doll, depending on their mental state of being, you know, could be a happy happy haunted doll or could be a, a, a you know a, a terrifying haunted doll or an angry one well um, wood is the next thing that absorbs a lot of the oils and energies from our body and then it goes down from there but it's best to kind of do what is called a dry salt cleaning or a dry a very very minimally wet salt cleaning on your items when you get them so that way if there's anything that might be residual that might be on top might be on them in some cases will be taken away now i had a haunted doll not me personally my mother did and uh it's in my book yeah i write all about it um this haunted doll was doing all kinds of stuff on my childhood property and i recently within the last two years removed that doll from the property figured out it was something was coming from this doll, removed it from the property, took it about 125 miles away, um, wrapped it, wrapped it up, and unfortunately I threw it into a dumpster, but the thing is, and sure it wasn't really happy with me about that, people will ask all the time, should I throw it in the river? Should I burn it? What should I do with this haunted item if I think it's haunted? How do I get rid of it? Well, I'm not an expert on how to rid haunted items, especially if they reappear and show up. I'm still waiting for this thing to reappear on the property from 125 miles away. But um, you might want to look some of this up, some of this stuff. The Internet is full of ideas on how you would rid haunted items. But just, yeah, I agree with you. It's wonderful to have antiques and stuff, but you also have to be careful of wondering how much energy has been infused onto the item. Exactly. I have this beautiful antique table um, that someone refurbished and whenever, I don't have a lot of antiques, just a couple pieces, but even if I'm buying something off of, uh, you know, you have Facebook yard sales and stuff like that, I always sage things before I bring them into the house because I just want to get rid of, I just want to cleanse things. And I have lots of crystals in the house. I have selenite is my favorite one. So um, I always make sure that I do something like that before I bring it into the house. Yeah, the one thing, too, um, uh, about um, the sage, I think we should talk a little bit about saging process here. Mm -hmm. So there's been a lot of reports in the last few years about um, what does saging really do uh, to, to anything. And I want to bring this up because I just, they've been talking a lot about this on some of the paranormal programs in the States um, regarding the use of doing this act of saging. And in, in back in the day, which was not even very long ago, you would hear reports that, yeah, if you got anything that seems negative in your house or, or, or is, you know, um, causing a disturbance or a poltergeist or whatever, you should sage your house and try to cleanse it up and make it better. Now, keep in mind that if you do sage, you need to open up a window or a few yeah. because not only is the stuff pretty smelly, but secondly, if, if this thing were, were to leave, it needs to be able to pass out of the window or something somewhere. But what I learned just recently, or at least this is what they're trying to talk about now about saging, is that it doesn't necessarily rid anything negative. It just per se calms the environment or calms down the energy a little bit, but the energy of whatever could be in your house or potentially on an item or whatever 
might leave momentarily but has its own will to potentially re-enter or come back into the house. Now I'm going to ask you directly, since you do some saging, mm -hmm. what have your experiences been with the outcomes of doing your saging? Afterwards, the because I sage my house every once in a while, especially when people start getting a little irritated and heated and especially with COVID, you know, you're everybody's in the same house for so so long now. And just so tempers don't, you know, as soon as I start seeing that people are, are getting a little antsy and, and angry, that's when I feel it's time to sage. And I find afterwards, the entire house just feels so much lighter. And you don't realize before how heavy the air felt that the atmosphere felt until after you've saged. At least that's my experience. Do you open a window? Yes. Because okay. in, in my belief um, and experience, I find if you don't keep a window open, it's like you're trying to cleanse. But if there's any negative here, you're kind of boxing them in and it's, they're going, it's going to get even more intense because they have no way out. Right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, the sage that I uh, use afterwards, I usually flush down the toilet, uh, whatever, you know, the burnt remains. And um, I usually finish at um, one particular doorway, and then I just put salt at uh, that doorway. Any particular kind of salt? I, protect, I personally like sea salt. Um, that's the only thing I've ever used. I never use table salt. I just, there's something about sea salt that for whatever reason I feel now how can I word this I think I've always used the analogy that if you think a fork is going to uh, get rid of an entity in your house because the fork is acting as um, it, it's a way of you to channel and concentrate a little bit better so if you believe that that fork is going to get rid of the energy it's going to work so I just feel drawn to the sea salt for whatever reason, and that's what I use. But I also have Himalayan salt lamps in the house, and I have selenite lamps um, that are on all the time. Um, yeah, I've heard people use those um, tremendously, and I believe that those things and the sea salt is what, what people should get if they want um, uh, a more peaceful environment. Yes, yeah, agreed. Uh, it's worked for me. Uh, when we first moved back to the Ottawa Valley three years ago, um, we had just finished saging. The, the family kind of makes fun of me. It's like, yeah, mom's saging again. Um, so my daughter and I were sitting in the living room. It was winter, and it had been snowing pretty much every day that winter. And so we're sitting in the living room, and my daughter saw somebody go up to the front door. We don't use our front door. Uh, we just use the back door. So we have the dog bed there. So she saw somebody go up to the front door and all of a sudden it sounded like, so I have an outside door and then the inside door and they're always locked. So the outside door has like a little um, mini little deadbolt, I guess you could say. And it sounded like somebody tried to rip the door off of its hand, uh, you know, just try to open it and it just ripped it off the, the hinges. The, the animals heard it as well and they all looked. So I thought, okay, I'm gonna go. And then I saw some, I saw somebody walking back up the path to leave. So I thought, okay, I'm gonna go check. And when I opened up the inside door, the outside door was ajar, but the deadbolt was still out a little bit. And I looked down and there were no footprints in the snow. And I looked at my daughter 
And she says, Mom, there's no footprints. I said, yes, I know. I said, it could have been the wind. You know, no, Mom. I'm like, yeah, you're right. Well, it could have been. I'm trying not to freak her out, right? So I said, well, maybe it's the house right. settling. Mom, no. I'm like, yeah, I know. I know. I'm trying not to scare you. But I said, now you know why I sage. I f- think something tried to get in, and they couldn't. My question to you, this would be... Um, how long have you lived in this house for and do you know um, anything about the history of what went on before you moved into your house? No, I don't. We, uh, at that time, it was, we had only been in the house a few months um, and I don't know any history other than I had met a paramedic one time and we were talking and uh, found out that she used to live in this house and she told us about the the uh, mud room in the back um, used to be just um, um, this this screened in uh, porch, but the raccoons kept getting in in the summertime. So she decided that she's just going to put up uh, a wall, make it like a a nice mud room, so we get nice patio sliding doors and, and everything. Um, she's done a lot of renovations when she was living here, uh, but I don't know any history about it. I've been trying to find out, but I I haven't uh, haven't been successful. Well, I think that's interesting about the door, you know, I mean, physically and visually, you saw yep. what had happened to the door. And then you also were there fast enough to determine that there were um, no footprints where there should have been. Now, someone might say, well, how windy was it? Maybe by the time you got over there, um, it, the footprints were uh, swept away by the wind because of whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I'm assuming you're talking s- snow here. Oh yes, um, and enough to be able to see a footprint. Am I am I right? On oh that? yeah, it, the snow would have been above your ankle. So if anybody would have been walking there, you would have seen the deep impressions in the snow. And yes, there was a little bit of wind at the time, but not enough to be able to cover the footprints. Had someone been there, and we we got there in a matter of a few seconds. You know, as soon as we heard something, and then yeah, it was very very strange. But the door, like I said, we don't we do not use the front door at all. And but I always keep it locked, both doors, and uh, yeah, that was uh, that was quite the uh, <laughs> the experience. Some people would ask then, okay, so they would. Um, we had a situation um, probably uh, less, almost a year ago, maybe almost to the day. Now that I think about it, where I was in my office and I heard the front door open at about one o'clock in the morning, a.m. And I thought, well, what is my husband doing opening up the front door? And, um, you know, what is he looking at at 1 o'clock a.m.? Well, long story short, he was in bed sleeping. He heard the door open. He came down the, we have a long hallway. He came down the long hallway. He looked in my door and he said to me, did you just hear the front door open? And I said, well, I thought it was you. (laughs) And, um, And, yeah, it was very distinct, right? But you had some, you had one more step with your situation the um the door actually had some damage or you could tell that there was something going on with the door whereas in our case um the door net was never opened and it was it, the sound of it which could have been a residual mm-hmm. um sound from whenever uh played that night but then of course i would be asking you questions about moon phases and um uh, uh, environmental conditions and uh, trying to learn more about who was on that land before the home was built and all these kind of questions would come to my mind yeah 
Yeah, so. I, I I actually did not record. If I if had I been investigating someone else's house, I would have recorded uh, barometric pressure, you know, things like that, the moon phases. Yeah. I didn't even think to do that in my own house. I just instinctively looked down and didn't see any footprints in the snow. Uh, but I didn't do any other investigating other than that. But I I knew something tried to get in because my daughter saw it go up to the door. I didn't see that part. She said it looked like they had a lantern or some kind of a light and I saw it leave, but she did not see it leave. Interesting. Yeah. Did you say, you said come up to the door. I was just going to ask you that question too. Did you, maybe it was trying to leave your house and go out that door and no. it couldn't get out? Um, no, I don't think so. Um, because no, she saw coming the other way. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Because she says, yeah, someone went up to the door. And then after that, that's when I saw somebody leave. So, um, just for the time frame, yeah, I know that somebody tried to get to the door and then they left. So, and you said she saw a lantern. Yeah, a lantern or a light source or something. Um, I don't exactly know what it was, but there was they were they were holding a light. I'm gonna have to ask her some more, and I'm gonna have to do a little bit more digging because I've always wondered who it could have been. Did this happen? That happened three years ago. Three years ago. Yeah. yeah, a lot has happened in three years. Yep. Yeah. No, that's fascinating. So I would, the only way that I, what we would do here, just to give you an example, mm -hmm. is when I started um, having poltergeist experiences in our house when we moved in three to three and a half years ago, you know, that kind of thing. And that was also um, a lot of, lot of poltergeists. The people who are in this, uh, house before obviously played with the Ouija board and I could go on about that mm -hmm. but it didn't want me didn't want me in this house and it locked me out and I could go on with a long story about that too but um, the one thing um, and I lost my train of thought oh what we would do so while this stuff was happening there came a point where I was out talking to our our neighbor next door because you know you meet your neighbors for the first time mm -hmm. and that it came up in a discussion where I was being asked by them what do I do and I hate bringing up the fact that I'm a paranormal writer or this or that because you just never know when you're meeting people for the first time uh, what their reaction is going to be to that exactly. well anyway yeah. she it just so happened she was into the paranormal but lately, and I'm talking within the last year, she's been having um, a very, her daughter has been having some unusual experiences in their house and in her room that have really bothered her. Well, she started looking um, up the, uh, they call it the abstract or the property of who lived on this land prior to whenever and all this. And she did managed to uncover you know a long time ago back in the day when this land used to belong to like a, like a farming community mm -hmm. that there was on both of our properties one or a couple I think probably one um, family that lived on the property where the farmer was incredibly abusive and um, imprinted that abuse technically into the ground underneath us but that's not what's haunting me that's not what's that's not what's in my house what's in her house is a little bit more demonic um and a little bit more scary her little daughter who's 10 see that age attracts mm. a lot of this stuff too yeah right 
And um, she was seeing, her daughter was seeing these red eyes come through her wall, probably about four to five feet high, dark figure, red eyes, and it would come right through one of her, right through one of her walls and it would come up to her and it would taunt her. And she got so scared and she was just freaking out over that. And one day her, um, she had a friend over, this was within the last four months from now. She had a friend over there playing on the floor in her room and her friend stopped and she looked right at her and said, you've got something that wants to talk to me in this room because they, something just said to me, we are here. And um, she said, I don't want to be in this room anymore. And so she got up and she, she actually left the house. Um, this little girl, I don't know, I'm pro- she was probably 9, 10 as well. And she heard, we are here. But that didn't come from the, um, the, the fact that it was a paranormal entity. I've been having experiences with extraterrestrial situations in my house as well. And I told her, well, that was extraterrestrial. I'm sorry, because I've been dealing with this now for a good, good six months and started putting up cameras and night vision cameras and everything just to try to capture stuff. And I've captured plenty. And um, I've had personal experiences with the extraterrestrial now, in addition to the paranormal. So there's more that's going on here than meets the eye. But I, in your case, with the lantern or the light, and what had happened with the front door, um, I would be very interested to hear if you can find out more about that land property or who used to live there back years ago. So, yeah. I've been wanting to go do some research at the library, but with COVID the past couple of years, um, it's not as easy. (laughs) You know, I could probably do some digging online, but I haven't been that successful. I'd like to actually physically go to the library. So once... uh, things open up a little more I'll be doing some digging yeah I think it's interesting though yeah you know. can you touch a little bit about uh, the extraterrestrial that, uh, encounters that you've been having well if you would have asked me let's see was it two or three years ago I was in Vegas at a conference and um, I wanted I went to this conference it was a conference on ESP consciousness remote viewing mm-hmm. psychicness and I felt that I've had enough experiences to try to figure out what was going on with me and I wanted answers so I went to this little conference I think there's probably about 300 of us there and um, and so anyway there's a speaker that got up and he was talking about our abilities to be able to move objects and stuff like that and and then he put us through through an, to do an experiment which now I know how anyone can do this anyone can move a piece of tinfoil on a needle that's stuck into a candle if you put a dome over it and you just put your hands cupped around the you don't touch the glass but about an inch away from the glass and you focus on that tinfoil um, you should be able to move it with your mind left or right well believe it or not the experiment does work okay but anyway long story short he was talking and talking and I thought you know here's an opportunity right now I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna ask this speaker how the heck do you know if this is paranormal um, or if it's coming from yourself? See, that's where my mm. thinking first started. Is mm-hmm. it coming from me? Am I doing this? Is this something inside me? What's going on here? Okay. So I stood up 
that I asked him the question, and he looked at me, and he was dead serious, and he said to me, you know, from what you describe with your abilities, I have abilities to do all kinds of stuff, by the way. Um, he said, are you not sure that at some point in your life you were not abducted by some kind of a UFO extraterrestrial force? But, of course, what they do is they erase your memory, so you never, you never, you know, ever know that you're going through this stuff. But, mm-hmm. um, and that is why you have these abilities now, because he said many of the people that I deal with and counsel or whatever he said you're describing exactly what they describe and so I stood there with my thumb up my nose I kid you not because before that point I really did not believe too much in um, the the UFO alien phenomena uh, extraterrestrial phenomena because I felt that you had always had to see the little green men the grays or whatever the spaceship Mm -hmm. and then how do you even not know that it wasn't made by somebody in one of our countries or the United States and so you're sitting here going well you know they're always dabbling into things and they're not telling you what they're doing but I stood there and I looked back at him and I absolutely froze in my my tracks and and of course you know you got a whole room of people staring at you and I just I just thought oh I think I'll just sit down and shut up for the rest of the conference but that is what ignited my interest into wanting to learn more about extraterrestrial um, beings and one of the things they said too is that they are aware that there's approximately and this is a long range 57 is one report but nearly a hundred is another report of different types of UFO, alien, um, extraterrestrial, um, light beings, you name it, that's out there that somehow they figured out or that they're aware of. Now, I'd love to see the report and I'd like to get the names and what they do and what they look like. That would be really great because then I'd be able to identify what I'm experiencing. Well, fast forward. All right, so a couple things that happened to me after that conference that started to put this picture together to me a little bit more. Number one, I was in a a Las Vegas hotel room, probably on the 60th floor, looking out a window. I usually go to Las Vegas, by the way, to also write my books. There's something about me being drawn back to Las Vegas all the time, other than free rooms now, you know, that bring me back there. And um, I was just looking out the window and I'm at the 60th floor, so you couldn't get any higher, really. And I just thought to myself, yeah, this is just kind of unbelievable. I don't really see anything um, of any sort. But then my lights started to flicker, and I had this, uh, it tapped twice. It knocked two times behind my head on the wall, and what was behind the wall was my bathroom. And the paranormal, by the way, they love to hang out in bathrooms, so just an FYI. So I thought, oh, great, I've got a paranormal entity in my room because they're always attracted to me. They will find me wherever I go. They'll follow me, that kind of thing. And I thought, I'm just going to try to force myself to sleep because I can't stand this anymore. Um, the, the reason why the lights were flickering is because I could put it on different settings in this room and had the ability to just put on like a night light. Well, the night light was the thing that was, and it wasn't the battery, it was electrical, there was no problem with it. It was just basically something was trying to say, hi, I'm here with you. Well, the next morning when I woke up, and I was there by myself, keep in mind, I felt very different. 
I felt very um, cleansed or refreshed or I just felt different. And so fast for I thought it was paranormal. Fast forward um, on this experience, I was talking to a woman who's very much into the into ufology and the uh, para, uh, the um, extraterrestrial and she she has actually seen these things and she she goes and investigates this stuff. And um, I was talking to her and having actually a, a podcast with her. And I said, you know, I don't, I don't know. I just felt different. She says, you had an experience about three years ago, she said, where it came into your room and they were checking your blood. And I thought, okay, now she's making sense here and she doesn't even know about this. And um, long story short, a couple months later, um, I was diagnosed with cancer and I'm in remission now. I'm fine, and I didn't have to go through chemo. But oh, the doctor good. did tell me that I was a miracle, right? And um, anyway, when she was describing that they're checking my blood and all this stuff, there are extraterrestrial beings out there who are healers, and there's extraterrestrial beings out there who are not your friends. But mm -hmm. let me bring this up to the next situation that occurred within the last... Um, happened in June of 2021 actually um, I had smelled something by my bed one night and I thought at first I thought it was my husband's shampoo smell and I thought god this is really obnoxious you know <laughs> I and I had to put my covers over my nose because it was so strong and um, the next morning I woke up I thought good grief I need to tell him to change that shampoo boy howdy right <laughs> And um, I went to the bathroom and I looked in the mirror and there was a blood red handprint on um, just above my uh, chest on my body. And I just absolutely, I didn't freak out, but I was really taken back by it. And I went to my husband, I said, look, look, he says, well, I didn't do it. You know, of course, of course not, you know, but the thing is, it's like it took three hours for it to disappear. It had um, elongated fingers and it had a crooked finger and it was the same handprint that actually showed up on my dusty dresser. I hate to even admit that I hate <laughs> dusting because it's so sickening, you know, to dust all the time. But the dust had built up just like it would have been out in the snow, right, with the okay. footprints. But it built up to the point where I saw the elongated fingers and I saw the crooked finger and I said, Oh my God. Now, the question I would like to ask someday at when I get into a situation where maybe someone can tell me, and maybe you know, Kat, um, how do I not know what is now paranormal and what actually is extraterrestrial? And so um, I had also one of the other things I need to add about my third experience is that we had just gotten home from a trip and... Um, we, I was bringing my luggage upstairs and the living room was pitch dark and when I was starting to walk up the stairs something caught my eye and I turned to and looked to the right and I saw a, a very a large orb about the size of a, um, um, a medium sized clock it was cream colored and it was hovering um, by the, um, the chair that I sit in once in a while you know the rocker and as I focused on it, it just dissolved right in front of my eyes. And see, I, I'm capturing every, every day um, uh, very intelligent orbs that are flying around in the house. And I just found out from talking with an expert on this who's 
got a lot of background on orb activity and, and all this, um, that uh, what is in here are what they call kind of like these anomaly light beings, obviously extraterrestrial in some nature. These aren't hurting me at all. They just fly around and then they eventually depart and go on their way. But they're here every night. I have lots of video on them. But um, so that would be extraterrestrial in and of itself. It's not. Some people say, well, what if it's what if it's a uh, spirit? Yes, there's spirit orbs, there's extraterrestrial orbs, and there's terrestrial orbs, from what I understand. And my question is, is how can you tell the difference as to what is flying around in your house? So, I don't know. That was long-winded, but did you manage to get, get the gist of that? Yes, Dad? I did. <laughs> I have been asking that for the past couple of years as well. How do we know if it's paranormal or extraterrestrial? Because at first, when I first started this podcast, I was thinking paranormal was strictly ghosts. But now I realize, no, it could be cryptids, it could be extraterrestrials. There, there's so many branches to the paranormal. And now it makes me wonder, how do we know what is what? That's correct. Hmm. So that's the, that's the new question that, and I would bet um, very few to nobody may really know that answer because when I watch these um, light beings have you ever captured I don't know if you have night vision camera in your house but have you ever captured or have you ever seen at least through a night vision camera footage of these pro these brightly propelled obviously orbs I've captured so many of them and um, um, have you ever seen a number of those at all and what have you discounted them for I've seen, I don't have any in my house. Uh, I have seen some, but to me, it depends on the texture. Uh, a lot of times I feel it's dust or it's um, cobwebs or insects or whatever. Um, I did see during an investigation once uh, that we, the team we were doing, um, I was manning the camera and I actually saw an orb go up the stairs and go into move to the left and I thought okay that's not a speck of dust because the the texture was just it, it just seemed different and at the same time someone was taking a photo and um, come to find out that we saw what looks like a cat in the stairways and the client that we had when we showed her that photo she says oh my god that's my cat that passed away a few months ago and that's what the haunting was in her place she thought it was something demonic she had holy water everywhere and one of the main things that was happening to her was um, when she'd go to bed at night, it felt like something was at her feet. And then once she noticed that the photo that we showed her, uh, she recognized it as her cat. She said, maybe that's what's curling up at my feet at night. And we said, well, can you kind of um, compare it to when you did have, when your cat was here? Is it similar? And she said, yes. And that's how we determined that there was nothing bad going on that it was actually her cat coming to see her uh, but to me that was the only time that I because for me orbs it's a hit and miss because I don't fully understand what orbs could potentially be when we're actually looking at it on film it could be like I said it could be dust it could be whatever but at this particular instant the evidence showed that it was the cat at least in my opinion well I'm gonna direct your listeners and you to a website a Facebook page where you will look at this very differently now and I'm going to interview this gentleman um, actually I just got done interviewing him what am I talking about I just <laughs> haven't prepared it yet and 
put it out um, on the uh, on the system. So this gentleman that I now I have more answers because when I saw his videos, I said that's what I've got in my house. It's not dust. It's not moisture. It's not all the stuff that people try. It's not backscatter from a camera. He has the most remarkable extraterrestrial orb slash images that I have ever seen in my life. So I'm going to give, if people have a chance to write this down in you, I want you to go look at this because you will now change your opinions about what these things could be flying around in your house. His name is Dale White, D-A-L-E. W H I T E. He you can you can find him on Facebook and how you know that you have the right person is he looks like a bodybuilder so he doesn't have a top on but he looks like a bodybuilder that's him. And if you start going through his Facebook page and scrolling down 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 you will also see and I think he's on YouTube as well. He calls himself the Orbologist, O-R-B-O-L-O-G-I-S-T. And he is going to show you stuff that you have never seen before, but has also answered questions for me about these light beings that seem to love hanging around me all the time. And I would bet cat you have orbs flying through your house like most of us do you just you can't see them aren't aware of them you'd have to have a night vision camera kind of point some of these things out but yes I'm familiar with animal spirits and orbs and I've had like a dog pull down and tug you know tug my um, cover down a few times I've had my husband say he had a cat walk on top of his legs mm -hmm. in my house here my you know I've had a whirlwind underneath my feet which there was a dog that passed away in this house before we purchased the house but in talking with Dale and I hope to get my podcast up relatively soon with him these uh, light beings are very very much attracted to um, especially people that have strong blue auras believe it or not they actually feed on these auras and they feed on um, the color blue a lot they feed on sunlight at, at at times they pick up on certain things and he wore these blue pink you'll see it in his video he wore these funky glasses that he bought because he had talked to another orb expert and when he put those things on, he was absolutely surrounded by these um, flying orbs. And some people say, oh, that's just dust. No, that you can tell the difference between what is dust and what is actually um, extraterrestrial. But the big question, of course, goes with the, back to the spiritual end of it. What if it is your dog? What if it is your cat? What if it is your father? What if it is your mother, your grandmother? Possibility, sure but there's usually more hints in those cases the same th the same way they walk the same pattern they go through um, uh, things that give you a hint that it's them uh, this stuff that I'm referring to these orbs that are flying around in my house and enjoying the moment I've captured them flying down the hallway I've captured them flying past the door of our bedroom going down to the hallway to go back to my room 
Now, he would say, do you have a vortex in your house or a portal? I have been told I have the possibility of a vortex in my house or a portal. Um, but these orbs, when they like to feed, they like to feed on um, um, people's auras or energies or frequencies. Go to Facebook, pull up Dale White, put it, look for the bodybuilder, click on his stuff, start looking at what he has, and, and go on YouTube as well under the orbologist and you will see stuff you have never seen before so oh yeah, i have the way I along that lines why were they attracted to him mm -hmm. when a long time ago when he was in a cemetery he had a he had a ufo beam literally shine on top of him it wasn't a helicopter it wasn't a police copter it was any nothing like that it was a legitimate ufo force that attempted to try to draw him up into the spaceship but he once he saw the light they retreated him and another guy and then ever since that point it it did something to him where this stuff is very much attracted to him mm -hmm. now but anyway sorry for the ramble but oh, that's okay i hope that gives a l little bit to you yeah i um i brought up his um profile on facebook now and we actually have a lot of uh, mutual friends <laughs> which is funny yeah, I'm going to check out that YouTube video. Orbologist, you said? Orbologist, yep. Okay, yeah, I'll check that out. That's awesome. Well, Dr. Yeah, Schatz, it's been... That'll bring you to another level. Yeah, yeah, because uh, like I said, uh, the past uh, couple of years I've wondered, you know, is it par how do you know if it's paranormal or extraterrestrials or what? So, um, and it's something that I've been wanting to research a little bit more. Yeah. Now you put me on the path. Yeah. yeah, this will open up your eyes big time. And then, um, let's see, there's another website, maybe you're already on it, um, that he led me to. This is somebody who, um, I guess it's called, um, let's say I just wrote it down uh, somewhere. It's like something like um, The Orb Truth or Orb Truth. And then there's some words after it. I can't remember what it is exactly, but if you put in, put in Facebook Orb Truth or on um, on YouTube Orb Truth, it should lead you to. I haven't looked at this person's site yet, but it should lead you to another person who he has been learning from regarding what he's been experiencing with these um, propelling intelligent-like orbs. And um, there's there's some more information for you right there. So thank you. I'll go check that out as well. And for you listeners, yeah. I'll be adding the links in the show notes. So if you're interested in looking at it, um, it'll be easy. Just click on it, and it'll bring you there. Well, Dr. Schutz, it's yeah. been an hour and a half already. Can you believe it? Well, time does fly by when you talk about the paranormal it and the sure does. terrestrial. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> conversations could go on and on and on um, but I think I'm gonna call it here I would love to have you on again if you're um, if you're willing oh I'd love to be on I'm sure by the next time we talk I will probably have an, another round of stories or another element to bring in to what we've been discussing probably and I'm hoping by then uh, you would have been to that conference that um, they had to cancel this year so um, I'm hoping that yeah, there'll be want, better luck. <laughs> yeah, let me, let me tell just a, a one one minute of it. So of it's the it was uh, in Las Vegas this year. 
um, we it would have been the fourth annual UFO mega conference. I believe I'm still up on the system. I don't think they're even going to take it down. Um, they're postponed it because of mask mandates and pandemic issues. And so because of that, they had to cancel it in March. But if you go to www.ufomegacon.com and scroll down to workshops, and then if you scroll down to Dr. Kelly Renee Schutz, you will see my picture and you can click on read more and then if you go into that you'll get a whole earful of things we've talked about on the show tonight and also um, just anything else that might be of interest so we hope it's running in 2023 I don't think it's going to be at the same location but just know that when you go into that site and you look it up um, it has been postponed in March of 2022 it's too bad. COVID has put a kibosh on so many great events <laughs> and investigations, but uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll get through this, and hopefully, in twenty twenty three, will be much better. Before we yeah, sign I off, so. could you tell the listeners where we can find you, and as well as your books? Uh, yeah, sure. Okay, so if you're interested to see my book covers and to hear any of my podcasts, you would go to www paranormaluniversalpress.com and when you're on that site you're going to see a whole bunch of stuff in fact Kat I'm going to have to ask you when you're going to post this so I can add that bit to I already have you on there but um, for interviews but uh, you can see my, all my book covers they're all available on Amazon but the best books to buy if you want to buy any at all message received we'll talk about my extraterrestrial and my paranormal Manifestations has four of the other books in that book, and that those two combined are wonderful. And then, um, when you're on pod or on that website, go up to the upper right hand corner, you're going to see a tab called Podomatic. Click on it, that'll bring you directly into the Podomatic website that I have, and I'm going to be exceeding very shortly 90 episodes. Um, and of course, a hundred by the end of the year. So that'll give you, if you want to listen to anything, uh, go ahead and listen there. And then of course, um, Kat, if, if you wouldn't mind at least putting a reference to that UFO conference, at least for a while, they should be able to see how that conference was to be set up in March. Thank you very much, Dr. Schutz. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for having me, Kat. And again, let's let's keep in touch for the future. Of course. I really enjoyed listening to you, and uh, thank you so much. No problem. Well, we've made it to the end of another episode. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, take care of each other. And if you'd like to be on the show or have questions and comments... Just drop me an email, paranormalheart13 at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Paranormal Heart would like to extend a special thank you to purpleplanet.com for supplying the music for the show. The views and opinions expressed on Paranormal Heart are those of the host and participants. 